Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's happening? Josh and Marsh and for Tim and Jackson, Balloon Party. How are you? I see somebody in the uh, YouTube chat asks if I ever met Paul Wall when I worked in Houston. I did. I was really hammered, which is how a lot of my stories start. Um, I met Paul Wall outside of uh, Minute Maid Park. It was after either a World Series game or a, a league championship series game. Those are things that we used to experience here. Um, we don't so much anymore. But when I lived in Houston the second time, it was this golden age of Astros baseball. I got there in 2016. They won in 2017. Uh, you know, went back and uh, I mean, you know how it worked. They've had this great run. It's been awesome. And you can say, oh, they're cheaters. Well, you know what? I wish we cheated more so we could win. Or I wish Jeff Luna were here to cheat and we could win more World Series. Nobody would care about cheating in sports if it's your team doing it. That's what I've learned about cheating in sports, right? That's why I don't get up in arms when people cheat at sports or they steal signs. Bobby Thompson stole a sign. One of the greatest things that's ever happened in baseball, the, the Giants win the pennant. Those jamokes stole signs. So don't, I don't need any of your your holier than thou that hey by the way the cardinals were involved in corporate espionage against the astros and still didn't win so let's just chill (laughs) i love the cardinals though that's my team but when i was in houston i would you know i had season tickets so i um i would go all the time and world series lcs it was a great time to just go watch baseball i don't remember a lot of it because most of the time i was really hammered at these games you know how it is i like beer shots everything but uh, paul wall just walks by our broadcast and i'm like paul wall's the ice man paul wall and he comes over and he's having a great time now the thing about houston is we don't have like massive celebrities in houston and i say we because i lived there for a decade so i feel like i can say we in that regard houston didn't have big marquee celebrities right so like beyonce's from houston and that's cool she's huge but like we had like mid-level rapper types that you'd have to really be into rap to Mm. to know right so like everybody knows nelly right because nelly is very mainstream so we've got nelly here we had like bun b so if you're a rap person you know who bun b is otherwise you're like oh whatever right the trill og right Uh, uh, that's how you, UGK. So you would know them. Or Paul Wall. 
You would know him if you're into that. But if you're not, you're kind of like, eh, I don't really care about Paul Wall. That's kind of how Houston was in terms of our celebrities that are, you know, you know uh, Scarface. You know who Scarface is? The rapper Scarface? No. That is not an upset. I believe that very much. But, like, Scarface, he was a, a Houston rapper. Like, that's kind of, it was its own subculture. You know how, like, the rap world had, you know, the Dirty South, and then there was, like, the St. Louis type of you know, Nelly and that whole, you know, and Chingy and all those guys, right? And then you had, you know, your Northeast rap, and you had your California love, all that guy. You had all the that. Well, Houston had like its own subculture of rap, and it involved those guys. And um, so, if you're not into it, deep into it, perhaps that doesn't interest you all that much. But yes, I had all that to tell you. I did meet Paul Wall. How was it? It's very nice. I don't remember it. I was hammered. Um, but he's a nice guy. Again, most of my stories at sporting events involve me being hammered. I got mm. all sorts of them. I was talking to Kerry Davis the other day. Basically, here's how my day goes. I get up, take my dog to Forest Park, Tower Grove Park, wherever, you know, take him for a walk. And I, I work at 2 o'clock over on Casey. I try to get here 12, 30, 1 o'clock every day. So sometime around, and you know this because you're in there yes. all the time. You prep with them. You're on the show. I will walk into the area where you guys prep because I'm jonesing to basically do my shtick for somebody. Mm -hmm. that, let's be honest. Like, I can't totally do my shtick on Keishi because I have to be a little bit more high, you know, bright smile. Like, hey, here's, you know, Rolling Stones. And I love that job. I'm not judging that job. It's a great job. I make a lot of money to do it. And it's great. And I appreciate the people who listen. And I love them. But... I have this Jones and to go in and get my sports stuff out and give them the old razzle dazzle. You just got to scratch that itch. I do. And the way I do that is I walk into the room where you guys are prepping every day at about yeah. 10 till 2. And I say, hey, guys, what's the big sports scuttlebutt today? And um, Anthony will say something very kind of sardonically and, you know, mm -hmm. just kind of sarcastic and all that. And and then it'll lead me into some story about myself, because that's essentially all I've got is stories about my experiences in life. And many of them revolve around me being hammered at mm -hmm. sporting events. Like I told you guys this story. And I, I do have legit things to get into today, right? Because I talked to John Kiowski. He runs this place. And he says, Josh, I've been listening when you fill in. You talk too much about dongs. Mm. I said, well, what would you have me do instead? He says, well, do you know what the call letters stand for? Do you know what WXOS stands for? I said, no. What does it mean? He says, it's X's and O's. Get to it, bub. <laughs> so I will be brief, which is something I'm not very good at, but I will be brief. Well, I've got drunk sports stories for days, but my favorite one, and I told you guys this, I think, and I don't know what brought it up. And we brought this up on the show yesterday, too. Well, to be fair, you're talking about the Radio Row thing. Oh, you have another story. I wasn't hammered for that. That was like 8 in the morning. Mm. Not that I couldn't be hammered at 8 in the morning, <laughs> but, but I'll tell that story in a little bit. But um, I was once, like, when I worked in Houston the first time, I hosted an afternoon show, a very successful afternoon show. For whatever reason, my boss thought it would be a good idea for me, drunk gambling Jamoke, to go into the visitor's locker room after Texans games to get audio. Mm. Now, in his defense, I was very good at it. I mean, I just asked questions. That's what interviewing is. People don't really fully embrace what interviewing is. It's literally just listening and reacting. Too many people go into interviews with a whole bunch of questions. And I'm going to ask this, this. Here's what I do. I just, I have a couple of ideas and then I listen and react. That's how interviewing mm -hmm. works. That's how conversations work. That's how I like to do things. So they would send me in and they would, you know, I'd get 
get audio. And if something happened, I'd go back to the post game show and say, man, this guy said like one time, uh, I forgot who, pot roast. Who's the guy whose nickname was pot roast from the Jaguars. I forgot his name, but he said the Texans were dirty. And I was like, Oh boy, let me ask a couple follow-ups. Then I went back to the post game show and it became a week long discussion about how the Texans are a dirty football team. And it was great. My boss is like, good job. Well, one time they played in the playoffs against the Cincinnati Bengals. All right. Marvin Lewis was the head coach. And I believe this was the game that J.J. Watt had a pick six near the end of the half. And I still had to go in and get audio, despite the fact that I was just hammered drunk in the station suite, which was always fascinating because I'd get hammered, yet they'd still send me in there. And they had to know I was hammered. I'm going to guess that they were just kind of hoping that, you know, that wacky hijinks would come from it, which they usually do. So anyway, the one time I don't ask questions is in press conference settings. Like, mm. I'll ask questions if I'm at someone's locker, in and I'm scrum. like, hey, so, hey, how do you feel about dropping that pass? And this, But when it's in, like, a room like this, and there's 20 people sitting in chairs, like, I just listen, you know? So Marvin Lewis, the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, was at the podium. And he... Uh, was answering questions about how his team just lost to the Texans. Josh Ennis comes in Mm. with his buddy, Ben, who would carry the recorder, and Josh Ennis was hammered. Mm. Very hammered. I never ask questions in these settings, but I was just drunk enough to ask a question. You know, like you hit that level where if you get just drunk enough, your inhibitions go away and you're like, you know what? I never ask questions of a head coach Mm -hmm. of an NFL team that just lost a playoff game, but today is the day. You're feeling good. I'm going to ask. So I said, Marvin Lewis, and I I believe I burped before I started speaking. Mm Got to get it out. And this was my question. I said, uh, you've you've played the Bengals twice. No, wait. You are the Bengals. You've played the Texans and the Ravens. They play next week. Um, who do you think is going to win? And he started to answer, and then he goes, no, I'm not going to answer that. My team, no, I'm not going to answer that. Goodbye, basically. And I was like, I nailed it. Um, and then I <laughs> apparently went into the locker room after that and asked questions of A.J. Green that I don't remember asking. Like, he was just at his locker by himself, and I'm like, uh uh, AJ Green, you guys lost. That's some, you know, and like, and this guy's like, yeah. <laughs> Who the hell are you? <laughs> like, it was great. Look, I got stories for days, man. Like, and I bring up Carrie because I'd sit in there and just he just listens, you know, as I ramble on and try to entertain you guys for the ten minutes before I go on the air on Casey. And he goes, you know, you should write a book. I'm like, I don't know if anybody would care, but I certainly have stories. And you brought up the story about Radio Row mm-hmm. and how, I guess you guys talked about it yesterday. We, about, we briefly mentioned it, <laughs> how you're like, a psychopath. I, somewhat. Um, but it's all under the guise of trying to create compelling radio content. Mm-hmm. That's my main concern in life. So people can say I'm crazy and I'm nuts, and this guy, he's out of his, he's off his rocker. Everything I do is to create entertaining, compelling radio content. So I'll tell you the story in a little bit about the Radio Row thing. I do have other things to get into, but um, I will tell you this. I see that Mizzou has lost 10 games in a row, right? I did not know this because I don't really watch Mizzou basketball anymore. I heard about it. Uh, that's how most people, <laughs> I think. It's like, I don't watch. I heard they've lost 10 in a row in the SEC. I used to really be into Mizzou basketball when mm-hmm. I was a kid. Ricky Paulding, Kareem Rush, Clarence Gilbert, that a-hole Cronkies kid that was on the team because he was that a-hole Cronkies kid. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, Justin Gage, Arthur Johnson. Like I love who's the guy with the hair, Wesley Stokes. I love that team, but I really loved Quinn Snyder. Like mm. Quinn Snyder was my guy. Dude had like this skeletal face, and his hair was always askew, and he was constantly sweating. Like he's Dirk Diggler and Reed Rothschild in that scene in Boogie Nights where the guys throwing the poppers on the ground, and they're like, "We know we're gonna get caught. We know that he knows that we actually just have like powdered sugar in this cocaine bag, and if he finds this out, we and then like we gotta steal the safe. We gotta get the money from the safe. Like he always looked like he was about to get." caught by a drug lord like the drug lord was gonna find him out he's always sweating strung out looking like he had just spent the previous night with larry eustachy at a a frat party getting bombed on natty lights and doing rails off some cheerleader's ass and you're like this guy is my hero and uh, those were my days of watching mizzou basketball that was the goal to me that was the golden age Mm -hmm. of mizzou basketball we went to the elite eight that year and lost oklahoma those were the days those days are not here now. No, they because <laughs> Mizzou has great. lost ten SEC games in a row. I did not know that until I came in. I care so little about Mizzou basketball that I'm sitting in Marty's office of all people. Marty, my boss from Casey, lost a lot of weight. He's on Manjaro. Looks great. Looks a lot like uh, 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 James Franklin now, coach of oh, yeah. uh, Penn State, former Vanderbilt coach mm-hmm. James Franklin. He looks a lot like him now, except he's a he's white. He's not mixed ethnicity or anything. He's just a white guy, but somehow looks like James Franklin. But uh, he goes, hey, dude, uh, Mizzou's lost uh, 10 SEC games in a row. And I go, what? Mizzou's in the SEC? No, that's a joke. I knew that. But point being in all of this is that uh, there was no point. I just felt like talking about Quinn Snyder. I don't have to explain myself to you people. Well, we're just, you know, we're telling people about Mizzou basketball. We're in the region. They have to know. Correct. I am informing those of you who were unaware that Mizzou has lost 10 SEC basketball games in a row. And now you know. So if it comes up later in conversation. Now, could I name someone that plays for Mizzou? No, I couldn't. That's Brandon Kylie's. That's what he does. That's what Jackson does. Jackson does. They, they, and I'm not knocking them. I want to be very clear. I'm sure that Kylie can tell you some player from Mizzou's Pakota, whatever that is. I don't know what a Pakota is, but he can tell you what it is. He's he that's his world. I don't know that. He will break down whoever plays for Mizzou. Couldn't name one of them. I can tell you the entire roster from 2002. I could not tell you the roster from this year. But now you know that Mizzou is not playing good basketball, and that's important. All right, we'll get into some other stuff. I got a whole bunch of stuff to get into. I don't know how I got off on that tangent, but that's basically what I should just name a show if I ever have one again. I don't know how I got here, but I'm here. All right, Josh and Marsh in for Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Josh and Marsh in for a balloon party today. 
appreciate you guys. What are people saying over there on uh, the text? I see the people in the YouTube chat. They're lovely folks. Sometimes I creep in and I'll comment mm-hmm. during the normal balloon party. Uh, they seem to be a lively bunch. Yeah, here. the text line uh, from the 636, this guy's a douche. But we already uh, established that, or you did at least, yeah. a few weeks ago. Yeah, level five. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. Like, so, it's middling. No, I think it was out of five. No, it was out of ten. It was out of ten. So yeah, level five. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, we have uh, from the 636, NS equals legend. I, I Look, I would agree. I don't, look, I'm not, I'm trying to be humble, but I would agree with that person who sent that text message. Here we I go from uh, that. the 314. Sweet, bro. You're so hammered. Hey, look, not right now, but I have been before. Look, I like to drink alcohol. I like to have a good time, you know? I don't take sports stuff, in particular sports media, I don't take it all that seriously because it isn't serious. It's sports. So, like, for example, so was it the other day? Was it yesterday or the day before that people were all worked up because somebody asked Brock Purdy if he realized that he looks like Lee Harvey Oswald? I think it was two days ago, and we we talked about it yesterday. So that was at the um, media day at Mm -hmm. the Super Bowl, media night. It's become a huge event. I've been to the Super Bowl... Uh, Radio Row slash Media Week and all that, I think seven or eight times. And humble brag. And what's happened to that event is that's the kind of stuff that's expected there. That's the thing. That's the bit. Mm -hmm. It's an opportunity for people to do dumb things while talking to these professional athletes because, let's be honest, what questions are they going to answer that they haven't already answered? How many times can you hear like, oh, so such and such thinks you're a mediocre game manager. Cam Newton says you're a game manager. Uh, What do you say to that? Like, who cares? Like, do something (laughs) stupid. Um, One year when the Super Bowl was in Houston, Brock Osweiler was the quarterback of the Texans. And on our show, somebody brought us a giant, big Rubbermaid garbage can that had a Texans jersey painted on it, number 17, Brock Osweiler, and it said Assweiler on the can. (laughs) So it was the Assweiler can. And we brought it to media night and just walked around and just interviewed people and everything wearing this Assweiler garbage can. And it ended up making like the BBC and all these other news outlets. It was, I think it was the number one thing on the top 10 on SportsCenter that night. That's why that event exists for you to make dopey, wacky, hijinks filled news. That's why these events matter and that's why they exist. But people getting all worked up because somebody asked him if he looked like Lee Harvey Oswald, acting like this is some serious event. It's a sideshow. There is no. A championship event that is more of a spectacle and sideshow mm-hmm. than the Super Bowl. It's anticlimactic. Like, I don't even get into the Super Bowl. You got two weeks to sit around and get hyped for it. Then it comes around and it's like, eh. It's kind of like after you get past the first two weeks of the NCAA tournament, it sucks. Or the first weekend, really, it sucks. You're like, I don't care about the Sweet 16. It's kind of over. I'm kind of done with it. That's how the Super Bowl is. Like, the game is kind of an afterthought. It's all this stuff that leads up to it that is kind of what gets people, uh, in, you know, it, that's the event, right? Right. So actually, and then it was Radio Row where you mentioned that I got into an altercation at Radio Row. Um, So there was that. But um, yeah, like I think people take sports stuff way too seriously in the in the way it's covered. 
is how I will put that. Like, I want the Cardinals to win, and I get angry when they don't. Right. Right? I don't blame you for feeling that way. Like, I am the same way. It's something I enjoy. I want them to win. I'm not going to tell you, hey, guys, it's just a game. Like, no, well, I get angry. Life already sort of sucks sometimes, so you want your, your favorite teams to, to play well, and when they don't, you get upset, and it makes everything worse. Correct. And that's how I am, too. Dude, I've, I've broken so many things over sports. I've cried over sports. Not today or anything, but, you know, when I was a kid i did first tears i cried over a, a sports team it was the cardinals when they blew the 3-1 lead to the braves in 1996 mm-hmm. you know like i get that i'm not judging anybody for caring about sports and wanting their team to win i'm a saints fan i was at the game in which the saints got screwed out of going to the super bowl and the freaking rams got to go in their stead i went back to my hotel and i destroyed my cell phone like an immature child mostly because my mom texted me and she's a chiefs fan and they were playing that night and she goes now josh don't you go getting mad just remember it's just a game and i said you sack yeah. and i threw my phone I like, you don't get it mom <laughs> too bad you didn't have your phone to text her when they lost i know and then my wife couldn't find me because my phone was broke and she was out of town she was in back in houston she's like are you dead i'm like no i had to call her from a landline if your wife ever gets a call from a mysterious landline she's either getting swindled out of money or you're dead or you broke your phone mm-hmm. because your team got screwed out of going to the Super Bowl. And that's how it was for me. But like, I would never tell anybody to not be passionate about sports. Because if you weren't passionate about sports, all these millionaires who disregard you, all these athletes that judge you and say that you're too crazy, they'd be flipping burgers. Because it wouldn't be a skill to play professional sports if it weren't for me, you, and everybody else who pays the money to go watch them. And I think a lot of times athletes forget that, and managers forget that, and owners forget that. Because what you deal with on a daily basis with sports is this. If me and you didn't invest our hard-earned dollars to watch these dudes... These leagues would go away. Like, I think that athletes a lot of times think that professional sports leagues are just bound by God or ordained by God to exist. And they're not. Those leagues could go away. The NFL, it won't. But it could, in theory, go away if people stop watching. And I think athletes live in this world where, I I caught 100 balls this year. I'm invincible. Well, no. The only reason you catching a ball matters is because Josh and Marsh and everybody else that's listening pays money to watch you catch a ball. It reminds me of movies, right? Like, there's certain movie places that you look at, think of the theaters, right? People don't go to the theaters. There's there's no movie theater. You know, people don't go see a movie. Well, it flops and people lose their jobs. Like it's like it's the same Correct. thing. There's toxic fan bases in in movie culture. There's toxic fan bases in sports. Tom Hanks or Tom Cruise doesn't make twenty million dollars to make a movie if I don't go see the movie and you don't go see the movie. Exactly. But people, I guess it gets difficult in their world to absorb that because you just assume it's going to be there forever, mm-hmm. and it's not there forever and that's kind of how it is with sports so i would never tell you to be like oh it's just a game it's just no i mean you're into it it's passion it's big money it's what you're into but speaking of though i'm a cardinals fan and last year i spent a lot of time getting irrationally angry over the cardinals so i understand where you're coming from and this is very unlike me but i'm actually cautiously optimistic about the season. You asked me during the commercial, like, someone says, you said the Cardinals are going to be good. I said, no, I said they're going to be better than people think. I was listening to BK the other day, and he's talking about the Pakoda. I don't know what the hell the Pakoda is, and, and I don't care what the Pakoda says. It's what, what do you do? Do you know what the Pakoda is? I think it's just like a computer generated 
algorithm thing that says, hey, this is how good your team's going to be this year. Great. Like, it's a resource. It's something to talk about. It's the same as pro football focus. I heard BK allude to that the other day for something with pro football focus about the Super Bowl. Pro football focus, to me, is the biggest sham on the planet. It's just a bunch of dudes that sit together and say, I think this guy's pretty good. Now we rank them, and then people treat this like it's the gospel, and it's not. I got caught using pro football focus and really looking stupid once when I was in Philadelphia. Free agency was happening. This is 20, the end of 2013, I think into 2014. And there were three safeties that were on the market. And the Eagles, who I was covering at the time, really needed a safety. One was Jarris Bird, one was TJ Ward, and one was Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm Jenkins, according to Pro Football Focus, was the worst safety available, like number 50 or something. Like he was the absolute junkie. He just played for the Saints. He's a free agent. The worst. Malcolm Jenkins, according to Pro Football Focus. So I got on the radio and I said, well, let me tell you something. Pro Football Focus says that Malcolm Jenkins is a bum. So the Eagles can't sign this guy. They need to go out and spend the money and get Jarris Bird, the number one safety out there. So what happens? Saints. Let him walk. Eagles sign. Sign him. Mm. Jarris Bird then signs with the Saints. I don't know that Jarris Bird ever played a snap for the Saints because he got hurt. I don't know that he ever played football again. And Malcolm Jenkins became a key cog for a team that won a Super Bowl and became a, an all-pro level safety. Is that on you, though? Oh, it's totally on me. How's that on, how's that on you, though? Like I, I'm looking at it. You're just relaying the information from what you saw on Pro Football Focus. Yes, it's my fault. For going to Pro Football Focus and saying, oh, yeah, this seems like the gospel. Gotcha. And it was that moment that I stopped caring about. And again, I don't even know what the Pakoda is, and I'm not ripping BK or anybody for using it. But like, I have no idea what that is, and that's not going to determine how I feel about how the Cardinals are going to be one way or the other. I look at those things and say, all this is is people. Like Literally, all Pro Football Focus is a bunch of dudes that get together and grade dudes. And then we look at that like it's the gospel because Chris Collinsworth is invested in it. So it comes up on, on Sunday Night Football, and we go, wow, this guy's PFF ranking is seventh among left tackles and who cares like like so i look at the here's how i look at things i look at as much as i can data my eyeballs everything and that's how i determine who i think is good and who i think is not i'm also in a way i treat it gambling you know what they say in gambling we should fade the public right the public Mm. is usually wrong if i look at cardinals twitter and Cardinals Twitter is 99% angry people bitching that the Cardinals don't spend enough money. Or my favorite that I saw this week is, we're the second-class team in Missouri now. Royals paid Bobby Witt Jr. What are we doing? What are we doing? We're second-class citizens. Friend, it's the Royals. And until proven otherwise, they'll always be the Royals. Congrats. They spent an F-ton of money on Bobby Witt Jr. Now, you know what they'll be next year? The Royals. You know what they're going to be for years to come? The Royals. they got a long way to go to become the Cardinals. Now, I'm not telling you the Cardinals are perfect. I'm not going to tell you they're going to win the World Series. They're probably not. But the way people talk is, oh, we're going to win 65 games this year. We're terrible. Got to tear it down. And maybe you do have to tear it down. You're not wrong in saying that the Cardinals' approach to doing things is somewhat archaic and behind the times. That's not wrong. You are right. However, this dire attitude that people have of, we're done. This is terrible. The Royals are better than us. They signed Bobby Witt. It's almost like some of these people just want the Cardinals to go give somebody $300 million just to say they gave somebody $300 million. Mm -hmm. And those same Jamokes, when that blows up, will say, I can't believe we spent $300 million on somebody. (laughs) We're giving up bad contracts because they're never freaking happy. 
And that's coming from me, the most miserable, curmudgeon dweeb on the planet. I'm never happy. And I see these people on Twitter, and I'm like, my God, we're going to win 90 games. Because these people are so out of their effing minds about this. If I see all these Cardinal people, and bless their hearts, bless their hearts, because Randy Carricker said something months ago that was somewhat right, I'd say more right than a lot of people gave it credit for it. We are spoiled because the Cardinals have spent a quarter century being good. That's a fact. Two things can be true. We can be spoiled and the Cardinals can be doing things poorly and should be better. Those two things can be true. I don't think Cardinal fans, especially Cardinal fans who are like me, who are 37 years old, have any sort of coping skills because we've never sucked. Randy Character, he got to watch the Cardinals go to World Series 82, 85, 87, but he also got to watch the 70s. Where the Cardinals sucked. You know what I'm saying? I, I've never experienced this team being horrible, right? Like last year was probably the first time where I'm like, oh wow, like <laughs> I don't know if I want to go to the ballpark. But other than that, like my whole life, they've been they've been good. My I was ten years old when the Cardinals went to the LCS in nineteen ninety-six. And I my mom let me buy a big bottle of root beer to shake up. My plan was to spray everybody when we went mm. to the World Series. I was calling my grandpa because my parents were divor- divorcing at the time. So I lived in Poplar Bluff with my mom, my grandma, my sister, my grandpa. My dad was out banging whatever could walk. And that's how I lived my life when I was 10 years old. All I wanted to do was go to see the Cardinals in the World Series. Then we're outscored 32-1 to 1 in that series. And I'm like, oh, my God, I sobbed. This is it. But then we got McGuire, and life was good for two or three years because McGuire's hitting 70 and 66, and this is great. Then 2000 comes around, and we're in the uh, the NLCS. And then 2001 comes around, and we lose to the Diamondbacks. Then 2002, we lose to the Giants. But we're climbing, we're climbing. And then it culminates with getting to the World Series in 04. But then we come back down, but Pujols hits the home run in 05. But then 06 comes around. And we sucked, but somehow won the World Series. And like, I as a Cardinal fan at 37 years of age have never had the opportunity to have to cope with the fact that there are at least a handful of teams in baseball who do it exponentially better than we do. So that's why when I look at some of these people, I kind of give them the benefit of the doubt on social media because they don't know no better. They don't know. They don't know what it's like to be a Dan. How old is Dan? Dan's got to be what in his, his, his what mid forties now, late forties. How old is Dan McLaughlin? <laughs> Anybody? So Dan grew up in St. Louis. Dan's been doing Cardinal games for a hundred years, right? Forty nine. Okay, so Dan got to live in the eighties and see eighty two was great. You know, it wasn't great. Eighty three, eighty four, but eighty five was fantastic. But then eighty six wasn't. But then eighty seven was, and then eighty eight to ninety six sucked. He got to live that. And there's a lot of people who have at least a little bit of, what's the word I'm looking for? Foresight or vision and understand that, hey, we've lived through some really bad crap. I'm spoiled. Brady Carriker ain't wrong. I am 37 years old. And for more than half of my life, the Cardinals have been at or above the gold standard of how to run a Major League Baseball team. We don't have coping skills. We And I think that just kind of goes with everybody of this generation. Nobody has coping skills because we don't. But sports-wise, we do not have coping skills. Like, I grew up a, a, a Saints fan, right, in New Orleans, in Baton Rouge. There are a lot of people who were Saints fans from the time the team became a team in 1967. So when they finally got to see the Saints win a Super Bowl 14 years ago yesterday and go to the playoffs for X number of years out of X number of years – 
like losing three years in a row doesn't bother them because they lived through hell being Saints fans. Mm-hmm. Me, I got into the Saints in 2000, uh, 2000. First football game I went to was the Saints-Rams playoff game in the Dome when Azakim dropped the punt. That was the first professional NFL game I went to, I believe. And you flipped teams? I was never well. The thing is, I was never a Rams guy. Oh, okay, I was I was a Chiefs guy for a long time because there was no football here when I started watching football. So I was really into uh, the Chiefs. Derek Thomas was my favorite player of all time. I was there when they would miss the field goals in the playoffs, and I lived through Marty Schottenheimer, and I was into it. My mom still is. Uh, but I became a Saints fan because I lived and grew up in Baton Rouge, and I was. Saints sucked when I became a fan. They won their first playoff game in 2000. Then it wasn't until 06 that they went back to the playoffs and went to the uh, the uh, NFC Championship game against the Bears, and I was a big fan after that. But the point being in all of this is that I'm spoiled from that standpoint. I never got to see the Saints be terrible for the most part. I moved there right before they got good. As a Cardinals fan, I've never gotten to live in an era where they just weren't the gold standard. And I understand why you want them to be the gold standard, and you're not wrong. But the idea that Randy, months ago, when he said Cardinal fans are spoiled, and he was some sort of a-hole, and he doesn't get it, and he's a media guy, he didn't, and he's right. I'm saying that as someone who is admittedly spoiled. Admittedly. I want us to be better, but like I see people on the internet and they just don't have coping skills. It's either we got to blow it all up. We're the worst. We're the worst. We're worse than the Royals. Like (laughs) think about what you're saying. Like when you type that into your computer, you're like, oh my God, we're worse than the Royals. How? The Royals are second class citizens. Great. They paid one guy a billion dollars. Who cares? But I see this and like, you wonder if people type this in and they go, yeah, this makes sense. No, they clearly don't. If they did, they'd go, let me walk this back a little bit. People are stupid sometimes. I love you. I'm one of you. I'm passionate like you are. But the idea that, oh, my God, the Royals. Oh, the Royals. Bobby Witt Jr. (laughs) And don't get me started on the internet, people who love all these Asian baseball players that none of us have heard of. And then the Cardinals don't sign them. And then we might as well just fold the franchise. Oh, there's some Asian pitcher we didn't sign. F us! We didn't spend $800 million on this Asian pitcher. We're the worst team in baseball. You know what? Move us to Nashville. Just that Vegas, Nashville. We don't deserve a team. My Christ. Get a grip sometimes, people. All right, I'm out of breath. That comes with being fat. We'll do more after this on Balloon Party. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Josh and Marsh in for Balloon Party today. What are people texting about over there? Yeah, from the 314. Aren't they mostly from the 314? No, we have the 314. We have the 618. I think these people need to give themselves wacky names because it's like, I mean, I get it. There's other area codes, but like put your name on it so we can say, well, hello, Steve. We Thanks do for have, texting. We do have wacky names. Like we have Thanks Dad. We okay. have, uh, you know, we have uh, today on... Uh, the fast lane will have Hockey Bob. Oh, Hockey Bob. Um, but this one is from the 314, no name. Marsh, tell that man that was the best thing I've heard on this radio station in a long time. That's why I do it. Listen, I'm not the hero you deserve, but maybe the hero you need. Here's a good one from the 314. First time you filled in, I hated you. Yeah. But you were growing on me. 
Especially because most of my stories also start with, I was hammered. That's good. That means we could be friends. That's the thing is, like, a lot of people feel that way about me. And I, I don't know, maybe it's a me problem because I come in trying to, you know, be overly wacky and zany and whatever. And then after a couple of times of doing it, I level out and you get kind of used to my stupidity. And maybe, you know, and, and maybe uh, we grow on each other. We like each other. That happened at Casey. Like, listen, when I was over there for the first couple months, like these crazy people, uh, they would just like inundate me with how much they hate me. Good news is I read a story about how landlines are going away, so they will not be calling to bother me anymore. Were you around when there were phones in the car? Oh, ever, yeah, like the bag phones? You ever get to use mm-hmm, one of those? Mm-hmm. My dad uh, used to have one. And, uh, oh, yeah. It was in a little bag, and like you, and the cord was always really tightly tangled. So anytime you'd pick up the phone, the bag would pick up with it. Oh yeah, I lived that life. I also lived the life of having to sit around waiting for people to call you on a landline, you know. And if you answered and it wasn't for you, you were so let down. You're like, Mom, it's for you. Mm. Yeah, I lived that life. And then you have that long ass cord. Do you ever have that phone? That showed the inside of the phone. It was like a clear plastic, and it had all the wacky, like the the earpiece and everything inside the phone. Did I you ever think, have that phone? I, I think so. Did you have a Sports Illustrated football phone? I don't know. I definitely had Sports Illustrated, though, the magazine. Yeah, that's gone now. May it, it rest is. in peace. Yeah, unfortunately. Pour one out for our departed homie. But not that like I was subscribed to Sports Illustrated anymore, so... Does yeah. it really affect my life? No, but you hate to see you hate to see nostalgic things go away. Eh, I didn't even know it was gone, so it didn't really bother me all that much. But I do miss um, checking out the chicks in the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue because back in mm. my day, that is how you got your erotica. And mm. that day was when I was like eight. By the time I was like nine, I figured out how to bootleg pornography off of the television. So mm. my life got a lot better at that point. So you're combining your two favorite things: sports and beaver. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, here's the thing. Let me ask you this, friend. Okay. When you were a a boy, did you have VHS tapes? How old are you? I am 27. So you really, VHS tapes weren't a big thing for you. No, they were growing up. So when I was a, a kid and I was looking for, you know, ways to access erotica, talk about being spoiled, these kids today, they've got all their pornography on their phone. Mm. It's easy by these kids. I mean me when I'm in the shower. But these kids have access to anything they want, right? But back in my day, you had to get creative with how you'd get your erotica. And part Mm. of that was you would have Skinamax at like midnight. You put in a blank VHS tape, like eight-hour tape. You'd hit play and record. And then you got a whole season of Hot Springs Hotel at your disposal. Mm. Now, you ever watch Hot Springs Hotel? I can't say I have, but it sounds like you put a, a lot of work into that. You ever watch Red Shoe Diaries? I have not. You ever watch Emmanuel? No. Ever watch Emmanuel in Space? I have not. Ever watch Playmate of the Apes? Real I have thing, not, by the way. I've, I've, I've seen Planet of the Apes. No, but this is naked women but with monkey heads on. Interesting. I bet you someone in that, that texts or calls has watched Playmate of the Apes. It was legit. It's a real thing. A lot of stuff that featured Gene Simmons' lady. She was in a lot of stuff that I used to watch mm. on Skinamax. I'd hit play and record. And then you would hide that tape in like a Back to the Future sleeve to throw people off the scent. Interesting. Which, by the way, Back to the Future, which is one of my favorite movies, mm-hmm. it's almost more vulgar than porn. I mean, it's basically about a, a mom trying to hook up with her kid. That's like the whole back half of Back to the Future. No one addresses this. Yeah, I think the only VHS tapes that i was watching were like the disney movies so i was a little a little off from what you were doing but uh i mean (laughs) and and look and no one talks about how big is a movie about pedophilia 
Nobody. I didn't know that. I haven't seen Big. Well, I'll spoil it for you. A grown-ass woman fornicates a child. That's Big. That's a little... I gave you the synopsis of it. I guess I won't have to Big, watch it Big Tom Hanks is a film about... Uh, I mean, it's it's like Epstein Island. Oh, we're all appalled by Epstein Island, as you should be, because it's bad. But then you watch you know, Big, and you're like, this is fun, family-friendly, good times. No, it's about pedophilia. I don't, I don't right. think I'm going to watch that one. We'll wrap things up after this on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I was listening to uh, Randy and uh, Brooke and Dan on my way in today, and they were talking with Howard Balzer about the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. and about who's going to get in, and he couldn't tell you. He's got a vote, but he couldn't tell you. But Brooke brought up that there is a report that it's Devin Hester, Mongo McMichael, and Julius Peppers who are going to get into the Football Hall of Fame. I don't know if I'm on an island here, but I find it tremendously effed up that these pro football Hall of Fame voters were like, listen, Mongo McMichael hasn't been a Hall of Famer for the last 30 years, but now that he's got ALS and the poor guy is a vegetable and can't enjoy it, let's put him in. What do you guys say? I, I just, I really despise the way Hall of Fames are determined. And by the way, that's not a shot at Mongo or to talk about whether or not he should be a Hall of Famer or not. I don't know and really don't care. But if you thought the guy was a Hall of Famer now... It's really kind of dickish to be like, well, now that he can't enjoy any of this, let's just put him in. Yeah, why not? Like, you guys are kind of a-holes for that. Like, I think that's kind of an a-hole move. Am I, like, do you think that's an a-hole move? Yeah, I, I don't I don't love it um, because if he was good enough to be in, then they should have put him in before. And I, it is. It, I'm glad that he's in. If he is in, of course, we don't know yet because it's not official. But um, if he is in then congratulations, but it is, like you said, it's weird because... It's okay. It's dickish. It's okay. It's not weird. It's dickish. Let me tell you something, not to interrupt you here, but these people that vote for the Hall of Fame, I have a problem with them in every sport because they hold way too much power. And I know that there's not a way to just throw a blanket over things and go like, this is a clear-cut Hall of Famer or not. It's not like you put in an algorithm and it spits it back out and it says he's a Hall of Famer. Although, those do exist on websites, but they're going to still let people vote. Let me give you an example of why I hate voting for Hall of Fame. So I used to work for a guy, uh, not for a guy, but with a guy named John McClain, who was a writer for the Houston Chronicle and covered the Texans. And he's a Hall of Famer. He's a pro football Hall of Famer and he has a Hall of Fame vote. One day he walks into the studio and he goes, let me tell you something, guys. We just got Warren Moon into the Hall of Fame. And he had been retired for you know, like 20 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to say, no, John, Warren Moon got himself into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> you puds just decided today, like, this is the day we're going to make this man stop waiting. We're going to stop torturing him and we're going to put him in the Hall of Fame. Like, I have a problem when people who are fat, out of shape, clearly never picked up a ball, bat, whatever, people like myself. Mm. Although... I did score 19 points in a high school basketball game one time Heard and went it. three for three from downtown. So In the goggles, uh, nonetheless. In the goggles. I was a goggle man, so I, I have played a little sport in my day. 
But when I hear these people and they like are the gatekeepers and they control who's in the Hall of Fame and who isn't in the Hall of Fame, I have a problem with that. I have a problem with the fact that if Steve Mongo McMichael gets in, you felt, and I don't know when he retired, I'm going to guess late 80s at some point. He was part of that Bears team, the, the Super Bowl Shuffle Bears. And then he went on to wrestle. He wrestled in the WCW. Oh. He was a member of the Four Horsemen in mm. arguably the worst era ever for the Four Horsemen, but he was part of the Four Horsemen. And his wife, Deborah, she was part of that. That was the heyday of wrestling, and I was really into it, so I know these things. But uh, I don't know when he retired, late 80s, early 90s, whenever it was. So you mean to tell me that over the course of 25 to 30 years, you did not think this man was a Hall of Famer, but now that he's laying in a hospital bed, tubes in his neck, can't speak, can't move his limbs, you've decided, you deserve it, bud. Like, do you want to pat yourself on the back for that? Do you want to say, like, we did it, guys. We're going to heaven. Like, I wonder if that's what they're thinking. I wonder if they're like, you know know what, dude? I fast-tracked to heaven. We put the guy with the ALS in the Hall of Fame. If he should have been there, he should have been there anyway. Like, what are you doing? I saw this video last night. It was of this, uh, this couple who cut down a tree, and then a baby squirrel came out, and they put this, like, nice music behind it. They built this squirrel a new home and put it in this other tree. It made it feel like a. Oh, this is a feel-good story. I'm like, you just cut down his home. Yeah. And now what are you doing? I, I see where you're coming from. And I get you. I feel you. And that's how I feel about these people. I feel like, hey, you're not special. You're not good. You've made this man wait. It's uh, like the Burt Blylevin. Burt Blylevin's my favorite. Dude had to wait like 100 years to get in. If he wasn't a Hall of Famer in 1987 or whenever it was he retired, why was he a Hall of Famer in 2019? You're like, you've waited long enough. You've earned it. Like These are fat, out-of-shape dweebs, and they control whether or not the biggest accomplishment a man can have in his life, being in the Hall of Fame. They determine that. Anyway, I heard that this morning. Uh, Anyway, back tomorrow, and there's a bunch of stuff I didn't get into today. We'll get into it. Like uh, my annoyance of the term hashtag girl dad. Mm. This Taylor Swift stuff has really brought that Ah. out of these girl dads. They love the girl dads. Like, what makes you so special? I adopted a dog. Guess what? That dog would have been put in the incinerator if not for me. You just flipped a coin and had a girl, and now you want to have a hashtag and be special. Well, you're not special. Thank you. All right. Uh, BK and Ferrario coming up next. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.